0: Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. This is Stephen Luna, the lead pastor. I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening, and I hope you find that this inspires you in your relationship with Christ. Now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning. How y'all doing?
1: Sounds like you guys are ready to go. I think I just broke something. It happens every time I touch something. They don't let me really do that very often. My name is Rob Frazier. I work with Convoy of Hope, We work with their field teams department, but there are many questions that go on with Convoy. Let me tell you a few things. How many know we had a pretty decent-sized hurricane move through just this last week? Convoy is already responding to that. We have people on the ground. I'm telling you now because I will know there will be people ask me afterwards. Which you're not paying attention to me, you'll ask me anyway. Um, But we have already got boots on the ground uh, in. The islands that have been affected, trying to prepare to uh, get some materials, water. And needs sent to them. That is already down there. We've got it crated up and ready to move it over. So that's one thing we're doing. We're also uh, pre-positioned to start helping those in North Carolina that have went through a very difficult time. We've got boots on the ground there as well and are also in the process right now of staging to move it out there. So they should have those in place in just a few days meeting needs. I love Convoy, our disaster relief. They're our MVPs. In my mind, they're out there doing the hard things and they're serving hard. um, Pray for them. Pray as they move through those areas that are dangerous uh, and sometimes can be dangerous to their health. So be praying for convoy. Pray for those who are affected by the hurricane. Just pray because God uh, wants to respond because then convoy of hope brings this little word we love called hope. Hope is what Convoy is about. Convoy of Hope, as Pastor said, uh, has been a response to a, a passion that took place in Hal Donaldson's heart. Hal, is, who is our founder, Uh begin to build a vision very early in his life because of some things that happened in his life. And I don't have time to go into them. But one of the things that I will tell you, it was a key conversation, was he was with the missionary couple called the Bontaines, who if many of you know the missionaries there in India, some of, the, some of the greatest missionaries maybe, you know, in our modern time. And they said to him one day, they said, hey, we're going to take you and meet a friend. And he said, okay. So they got him in the car, and they drove him over there, and he got out, and they introduced him to Mother Teresa. That's a friend, isn't it? And so he started to interview and talk to Mother Teresa, and uh, Mother Teresa asked him. She just looked Hal dead in the eyes and said, what are you doing for the hurting and those that are in poverty? And basically, Hal said, how do you lie to Brother Teresa? He said, I'm really not doing anything. God took that moment and begin to build in his heart a vision for what now has become Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is responded to disasters. We are feeding over 200,000 children a school day throughout the world. God is doing incredible things. We have women's empowerment ministries. We uh, have been able to uh, watch God do things with our field teams as well as our uh, different, org- uh, administer- different ag <laughs> programs as we're reaching out to help our farmers and other countries who maybe could be being a little more effective so they can produce more food, so they can feed their family, so they can see their finances move. Convoy is responding to a lot of that. So if you have more questions on Convoy, I'd love to talk to you a little bit later about that. You can catch me afterwards. How many here want to make a difference? I was saved in 1970, 71, I mean, 80, 81, sorry. I was saved in 1980, 81. When I got saved, the one thing that blew through my mind even as a child was if this is really who God is, I want to make a difference. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 8, today. Acts, chapter 8. God is an incredible God who has an incredible church. You are not part of his body on accident. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your family was like. I don't care if you were into garbage and drugs or if you've never touched one of them again. I'm here to tell you today from my life, I'm here to tell you God wants to make a difference with his church and you are his church. I want to take some time to tell you about how My wife and my family, It's my wife Kim right here sitting on the front row. My boys David and Jonathan, uh, great gifts to me. That's what they look like. Uh, David's already grown. I took that picture last week. David's grown six inches. I'm not sure what's happened. Actually, we took it a little bit longer ago than that. But God is an incredible God who called our lives, called us into ministry at a very early age. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about my testimony in just a moment. In the book of Acts chapter 8, I love the book. I love the Bible. If you're not spending time in the Bible, I'm going to tell you you're missing missing the key anchor to your faith. In Acts chapter 8, I love it because it starts out with persecution. All the church starts to suffer some persecution in Acts chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 26. That's where we're going But I want to set the story to say that there's persecution that begins to take place. And because of that, all the believers but the apostles were kicked out of Jerusalem. Now, they had been in Jerusalem since Acts chapter 2. But God said it's time to get out. Because you remember he said, you will preach my gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. How many remember Jesus saying that? He is going to take Acts chapter 8 to make it happen. So this great persecution comes and these all the believers are spread about and they don't go around whining and crying and sucking their thumbs because things happened that they didn't like. You know what the Bible says? It says they went around and they preached the gospel wherever they went. Now think about that. They went around with this new This new religion, this new move of God, they had never have been, that they have never seen, the world has never seen, and they begin to preach the gospel wherever they went. And Philip, who's one of my favorite guys in the book of Acts, God sends him to a town in Samaria. We don't even know the town. Just goes to a town in Samaria, begins to preach the gospel, miraculous things start happening, people start getting healed, demons start getting cast out, this guy that opposes the gospel goes blind. It's just incredible stuff. And guess what happens? Revival. There's two of you that are excited about revival. I'm excited about that. Thank you. Yeah. Revival busts loose. How many have ever wanted to be in the middle of revival? Not only is Philip in the middle of revival, he was the wood that started the revival. That's incredible, isn't it? And God's doing all kinds of stuff. I know so many of us in Pentecostal, in the Pentecostal world, who's praying, God, send revival, and I agree with you. God, please send revival and let it start here. But here's what I'm going to tell you right now. That's not why I love Philip. I love Philip more because of verse 26. Verse 26 says this, says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. Now I just want to stop there. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip was in revival. How many thinks that's got to be cool in a town and God is doing incredible things. And all of a sudden the angel shows up and says, hey, Philip, I want you to go to the desert road. Now my dad was a truck driver. My stepdad was a truck driver. And we've driven the desert road, and I'm going to be honest with you, I have never went through the Mojave desert and said, "Man, I just want to stop and hang out here." I have never looked at it and say, "Hey, look, that, uh, that cactus just caught on fire. This is incredible. We need to build a house and hang out here." Especially if you are living in this beautiful, wonderful place, and all of a sudden God says it's time to go to the desert road. I maybe would have said some things to God, like, "Mm, God, they're kind of needing me here. You know, I mean, I was here and this is how it started, and can't you send somebody else? I mean, I've got a youth pastor. We could send a send, send children's pastor, but they never really know if they are going to get where they're going because they kind of get caught off on other things. What's going on here, God? Philip doesn't do that. I love the fact that it says in verse 27, so he started out. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. I was born here in Wichita, born here, raised here. I've grown up here. This is my life. I went to Cloud Elementary School. I graduated from North High. That's what I'm saying. Once a redskin, always a redskin. That's what I'm talking about. Graduated from North High School. My mama had me when she was 17 years old. I never really knew my biological dad. Um, I have learning disabilities. I have dyslexia. Uh, I also have a little bit of ADHD, my wife says, though I don't know that I agree with her. But she said it's pretty well a slam dunk case. So I pretty well just try to get out of the way on that one. I'm not athletic. I've never really been a great athlete. In fact, I'm slow, but I make up for it, but not being very agile. And so that's my key uh, to athletic prowess in my life. Let's just say I didn't have a whole lot of reason that people looked at me and said, hey, if I wasn't, I was skinny, a six foot tall weighed a buck 30 and I had a big old thick German hair and I was at a big old head. Basically, if I stood still, stood straight up, I look like a Q-tip. It ain't funny. I put on some weight as I got older. Everybody's like, you know, everybody else gets in that point And they say, hey, we want to lose weight. I don't want to lose no weight. I saw what I look like skinny, huh? No, I'll stay just like this. <laughs> I didn't have, I wasn't most successful in school. I was just hopefully going to graduate school. So many people know what that can be like. I was average in the average crowd. That's what I was. I was so average, the average people didn't even recognize me. I mean, it just was not one of those people. But God did something incredible. When I was about 10 years old, 9 or 10 years old, 11, somewhere in that area, a bus came, a car drove up in front of our house. A person came out and knocked on the door. It was a couple guys, and my mom answered the door. My mom is a hillbilly from Arkansas. Uh, she is an incredible woman she could not I could not have asked for a better mom she has loved me and pushed me whenever I've needed to be loved and pushed she dropped out of school when she had me she worked the bars shot pool we were not Christians we grew up heathen that's what that is my denomination and uh, we we just did what we did to live didn't have really anything else, but she used to always tell me boy You can do what you're gonna do. You're gonna put your mind to it. You can work. I believe in you and I'm not gonna let you settle. She said if you ever touch alcohol, I will kill you She wasn't joking She said when I was 14 She said boy, you don't think you're getting too big for me to whoop do you I said no ma'am because I ain't stupid She said I got a cast-iron skillet. I hit you in the head I'm not joking these. I'm not making this stuff up. This is the part of my life that's funny when you tell it. And it's like, no, this is real. These guys came up to the door and looked at my, and knocked on the door and introduced themselves. My mom introduced herself back. And they said, we would like to take your boys to church on Sunday. This is when busing got really big. Like, we want to come and take your boys to church on Sunday. My mom is thinking to herself, well, I know they ain't going to steal them because they'll bring these two back in a hurry. I have a little brother named Mouse. And yeah, I said one time to me, he said, Mouse, I, Mouse said to me, I'm not a redneck. I said, Mouse, I should have stopped right there. I said, Mouse, you ever had a motor in your bathtub? He said, so? We grew up redneck. These guys offered to do this. My mom says, okay, that'd be great. She said, a morning without the boys. They said, how long is it going to be gone? They said, we'll pick them up about 830 and we'll bring them home about one. They said, a morning without the boys. Next thing I know, I'm standing on the porch. It's Saturday night. I'm just kidding. She didn't put us out Saturday night, but we was out alpha early on Sunday morning because she did not want us to miss the bus. I'm like, mom, I think the sun has to be up before the bus is going to come around. So they came and got us on the bus, took her over there and stopped and took us into the church. And I remember we did Sunday school in a broom closet because they had had such a good, well, they say it's because they had such a good response. I'm wondering if they just didn't want us to break anything, but they put us in a broom closet and they started sharing. They did a Sunday school and then they took us into the big church we got into big churches. I'd never been to church before. It was kind of crazy. All these people sitting around. The guy started, they sung some songs and did some stuff. Then this dude started preaching. And the first thing he said to us was he started saying that he said, any one of you have ever done anything wrong in your life, you're going to go to hell. Now, my mama lets me know every day that I did something wrong. I had no problems believing. I did not have an overly high self-esteem in the first place. But in the second place, I had no problems believing that I would have messed up because my mom made sure I knew when I messed up. And then she whooped me for it, and we went on from there. She told me just a few years ago, she said, you notice I never watched you and you guys were outside playing? I said, yeah, Mom, I noticed that. She said, I said, why was that? She said, because I didn't want to believe my boys were that dumb. <laughs> uh, looking back at the things we did... There's probably some truth to that. We walked in there, and the guy began to explain hell, Pastor. Started talking to me about hell. Seemed like he was talking to me. Said, this place is fire that's going to burn forever. You're going to be in it. There's worms that are going to eat your flesh, and you're going to be separated from God. And to be very honest with you, I was not excited about that destination. It's like... You know, going to camp out on the lake of fire? I don't think so. I'm not interested. And he said, all of us that have sin, and we all have sin. all of us failed, you're going to go to hell. I'm like, you guys came and got me for this. Thank you very much. Very excited about this opportunity. Then he said, but there's some more to that. And he began to tell me about Jesus. He began to say about this man who loved me, this God who loved me, sent his son to die on a cross for me. He Starts telling me about Jesus and all the things that Jesus did in my life. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is crazy. And then he said, and if you, all you gotta do is just ask him into your life, you don't gotta pay no money, it's not $14.95 plus shipping and handling. You just gotta come up to the altar and ask Christ to come into your life and live for him. I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Dude said, come up, I was there, man. I got saved that week. And the next week, and the next week, six weeks later, they finally came up and said, Rob, you only have to do this once. been good to know about five weeks ago. Thanks. I'm ultra saved. Theologically, I think it's funny. I got saved six times at a Baptist church. Once they, oh, you'll get it later. One of you guys, you be in the middle of lunch. You're going to go, you about choke on your food. That one was funny right there. That was good. Later and gave my life to Jesus. God began to change. My mom and dad supernaturally got saved. I'd tell you a little bit more about them, but it's incredible. My mom and dad got supernaturally saved. My mama found out she wasn't supposed to be living with my stepdad. He's actually my stepdad, his name's Critter. Critter, those of you that maybe know Critter, there may be a few of you in here who do. He started a ministry called Christ in the Streets that used to work down in South Broadway, reaching out to the people in South Broadway to share the gospel with them. Critter and my mom got saved. My mama found out they weren't supposed to live together. That was sin. So she called dispatch and said, you need to bring Critter home. Critter's a truck driver. They said, what's wrong, Reader? The kid's sick. Is anything okay? My mama said, no, he's getting married. And they said, well, she he didn't tell us that. She said, because he doesn't know. Get him home she thought he'd call her first well he called dispatch first to get his next load they said you're coming home he said why am I coming home I just got out he said because Rita said you're going to come home and get married he said I'm going to what she said Rita said it so he did because he's a smart man God has done some incredible things in my life but it's because a church decided to go to the desert road It's because a church decided to, in this case, invest in a bus and find some suckers to drive us, get in that bus, drive around 103 West Burnett, Wichita, Kansas, ask a couple kids to go to church, and God would change my future. Philip follows the desert road. Today, my wife and I were on a new desert road. We spent most of our ministries in the desert road. We were in youth ministry for six years. That's just the desert. Um, No offense, guys. Uh, We also did Chi Alpha for 10 years. My wife and I are the ones that started Chi Alpha here at Wichita State University. So pretty excited about that opportunity. Art Walker was one of my first disciples that I was able to invest into him. And then he took the ministry from me when we moved on to pastor for 11 years in Rose Hill so we've done up until this point where we're getting ready and have actually already left our church about a year ago and are in the process now of working with Convoy of Hope. Do you really want to make a difference? That's the question God asked me. I will tell you that there is nothing in this world that scares me more than walking before the throne of God and him saying, you missed it. You could have done more. When he called us to work with rural churches with Convoy of Hope, supernaturally called us We went because we know, because of a lot of years of following him, we know that God loves to send us down desert roads to change lives. How does this desert roads change life? Can I tell you one? We lead small missions teams. We lead short-term missions teams from churches like this to areas like Jolo, West Virginia. Jolo is in McDowell County, 1950. They had 150,000 people in McDowell County, today. 18,000 you cannot get a cell phone signal zero i'm not talking intermittent i'm not touch and go ladies and gentlemen you cannot get a cell phone signal within 40 miles of jolo if you're going to go to jolo take a paper map your gps on your phone will not work we took a team down there and their mission was they one of the things we had them do was to build a wheelchair ramp at a house trailer that a guy lived in. They began to conversate with him, talk with him, share with him about God's love. They didn't lead him to Christ, but they were there. A few months later, he found out he was sick, and Pastor Charlie, who's the pastor of the church we work with in Jolo, Pastor Charlie talked to him about Jesus because of a door that was open because of a team that went. He came and talked to Pastor Charlie, gave his life to Jesus, radically saved, Pastor Charlie did his funeral two weeks ago. A life changed because a church like this said, hey, we'll send a team. And all they did in their eyes was, well, we're just building a wheelchair ramp. But what we were really doing was we were speaking life through the local church. Because the local church is the only hope, ladies and gentlemen. Convoy of Hope, we're not the hope. We're not. It's the constant position of the church. Let me tell you a little bit about rural America right now. Rural America, out of 250, you guys are going to love this because I know stats are really big to you. I can see it in your eyes. Out of 250 consistently poor countries, or counties, that means 250 counties that constantly rate us poor, 244 of those are rural in America. Jolo, West Virginia, almost 40% of the adults in Jolo, West Virginia are functionally illiterate. So what did the church do about that? I'm going to tell you. Convoy of Hope sent three teams down. We built a library for that church. So they could begin to do, they have teachers that are part of that church. They could begin to do literacy classes through the church to bring hope to a community. Rule America right now is seeing poverty and struggles that were the 1980s was the inner city. Pastor Charlie did five funerals in seven days a couple years ago. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. Five funerals in seven days. The oldest guy he buried was 29. There are Time magazine said Jolo and McDowell County is America's third world country. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you right now. Because my wife and I have a vision to go down the desert road to reach rural America. But we need help. Now, i got to end this in two ways, so this is hard for me, so I'm going to try to do this, and if I don't do well, actually, I always do well, so it won't matter. (laughs) There are two keys that I want you to hear from me today. First, to this church, what is the desert road God has for Maranatha? I'm not just talking going on a short-term mission, though I would love to have you do that. But I can never walk out of a church without saying to you, what is the desert road God has for you? We all love to live in the middle of revival. We stink at living in the desert road, because the desert desert road is everyday life. When things aren't going the way we want it, things are struggling, ladies and gentlemen, there's always somebody God could have there. Did you know that this man that Philip reached, the Ethiopian eunuch, was a key official in the queen's... Cabinet, listen to what I'm going to tell you. He was most likely became one of the foundational pieces to the Coptic church. One man, an entire revival going on, and maybe more was done through that one man being one that day, being water baptized that day. Did you just hear what I said? Do not ever look at the desert road with disdain. I have learned to love the desert road. What is it that this church has? The second thing is to say we need help, Debbie Kim and I, and my boys. God has called us to the desert road, but we need you know, the Bible talks about us being a body. I'll go if you'll help. How can we help, Rob? I'm glad you asked. You guys are phenomenal. Three ways of helping. One, we need to be prayed for. We have prayer cards. I have some out on a table. I've got some on me. These are our prayer cards. Pick one of these up and pray for us. We travel a tremendous amount. We need God's provision, his protection. We need God to touch and be with us. I travel, I've traveled about 30 plus thousand miles in less than a year for my, this, and that's just our driving miles, that's not counting the air miles that I've had to fly as well. Just went to Wisconsin to check on a new site we may be opening up there. Travel. We also need support, that's part of it. We do this little thing that we have, we like to do called eating, it's pretty, My 16-year-old is very fond of it. We want to be able to do the work of the ministry, but God has to provide, and he uses his people to do so. So the first way is to pray. The second thing I want you to ask you to do, if you would, is to give. We need monthly support. We're at about 50%. We've already used up six months of our 12 months to raise support. We're only at about 50%. We've worked hard, man. We have worked hard. If this church, if God would move on you to support us monthly, what does that mean? That means that you take money and you say, we're going to put this to the Frasers so that they can do that they need to do because we don't get paid by Convoy of Hope. This helps Convoy because this means Convoy doesn't have to pay a salary, but instead can use their finances to go to the work that they're doing to help people. So we're enabled to help them to do that by doing this. So if you could give and pray about the opportunity to give today and the offering would be a blessing. We do need that monthly support. Third is to pray about going. Talk to pastor a little bit about this church could fail the team. I'm gonna tell you it concerns me how few people we have in the church in America today who go on short-term missions. Short-term missions, if they're done right, they'll change your lives. In fact, I want you to know that young people today, how many you like your young people? How many of like to see some of them get called to ministry? How many would like to maybe even see one of them going in as a missionary? I pray every, I prayed every week for my church in Rose Hill that God would call, would save, would baptize in the Holy Spirit, baptize in water, and call people to ministry, because I believe those are the keys to a healthy church. I believe that most young people are called in the ministry, and especially missions today, either in camp or on a missions trip where they can see the need. God has a great plan. That's what we want to see. So I want to challenge you about the opportunity. I know there's already been a little bit of talk last night about maybe taking a trip. And want to encourage you to think on that. There's a verse that we love. It's on the back of our prayer cards, Isaiah 58, 12. Listen to this verse. You will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. You will be known as the rebuilders of walls and the restorers of homes. How many would love it if that's the verse people thought of when they thought of Maranatha Worship Center? Would that not be incredible? That comes from walking the desert roads. So my encouragement to you, to this church today, is to, one, find the desert road God has called you to. Now listen, God may bust out revival on you. That ain't nothing to turn you. Don't look at God and go, no, God, I want the desert road. People be going, this dude's tripping. But I'm telling you, if revival happens, great. They'll always be ready to go to the desert road because lives can be changed on the desert road. Secondly, pray about working with us. We want to help Convoy. We want to help it. We lead these short-term missions teams. We go to JOLO. We go to the Mississippi Delta. We go down to Rockaway Beach. We've got little things that in our, at our table for you to see what that's like and what the people are like. I'd love to sit and talk with you. My boys know. They've been. My wife can tell you. We'll tell you about what's going on in rural America if you want to take a few minutes to talk to us. But I just want to encourage you to pray about giving. I have a few minute video. It's just a few more minutes. Can you give me just a couple minutes? And then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor. I got a video with Matt Wilkie. Matt is in charge of our field teams. He just has a quick message he'd like to share with y'all. Go ahead.
0: How many want to be a restorer of homes or a rebuilder of, of uh, city walls and restorer of homes? It's what God calls us to. And... Um, it's just so crazy because I didn't know that was on your, on your prayer card, Rob. And a couple of years ago, we started this thing called the, the Daniel Fest. The beginning of the year, we, we take some time and we just pray and fast. The, fir- the whole first, first couple of things that we do in the year, just to dedicate ourselves and uh, just to hear from God. And a couple of years ago, that was the verse that the Lord placed on our hearts, was that Isaiah 58, verse 12, that we will be a restorer of homes and a rebuilder of city walls. And it's just so cool to see this as, I feel like it's, a, it's just a piece of confirmation that we're moving and we're still on that desert road, that we're moving in the right direction. And you know what I, as you were preaching, something that struck me is, is that notice that when God was speaking to Philip, he never said, hey, Philip, I want you to go down to that Gaza Strip. You're going to meet an Ethiopian eunuch, who, by the way, is the treasurer of the, uh, the king or the queen of, of Ethiopia. Because if he would have told Philip that, Philip would have been, all right, I'm already there just waiting, waiting, waiting you know what I I, I see as beautiful is that the Lord just said be obedient go down to that road and just keep walking and you'll see the opportunity comes I believe some of us in this place are looking for our opportunity but God is looking for obedience to step out in faith even when you don't know where that destination is or what that opportunity is we're not looking for an opportunity we have everything we need in Jesus we're following in obedience and as we do Opportunity presents itself. So what is, what, what is the challenge? I want us to rise to this. I think God is calling us to be obedient by, yes, praying for Robin and, and Kim and the Frasers. Um, and secondly, I do want us to take an offering. We're going to end in two ways. We're going to pray for them, and then we are going to collect an offering. Everything that comes in will be allocated to them as a one gift offering. Um, and then pray about monthly support. If God is speaking to your heart, let us know. Uh, we'd love to, to, to partner in that. Uh, another thing, too, is and this is a beautiful, beautiful story. Yesterday, there was a man in our service who is a very, very uh, kind of a straight-laced individual, not, not very emotional, um, sits with his arms crossed, loves the Lord, but just not very uh, expressive. And uh, during service yesterday, once we dismissed, after, after service, I, I went up to him, shook his hand, and, and he was just weeping. And he's like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, he's new to the, the spirit moving and stuff. And uh, it's, it's all new to him, new to Pentecost. And he's just like, I don't know what's going on. I can't stop shaking. I'm just like crying. And I don't know what's happening. My emotions are just going crazy. And his wife's looking at him like, dude, you're, you're crazy. And he's like, because he's like, he's always tight-lipped and straight-laced and just like the man of the house. And uh, here he is, he's just weeping and weeping and weeping. Well, I believe God is going to use him in our church to help us organize a, a short-term trip like this. He was just saying, I've got all the credentials. I can do this. God wants to use me. Uh, and it was just awesome. So I believe the Spirit is speaking to some of us about short-term missions and, and how to do things in, in, in rural America and around the world. And um, I want to encourage you as, as your pastor to come talk to me. If the Lord gives you a vision, a direction, and you're just like, Pastor, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I wanna I want to give some wind to that sail that the Lord is giving. But let's do this. So come to me, talk to me, email me if you want. I'll read those emails. Um, (laughs) But let's also do this. Can you extend a hand towards them so that we can pray over them in this moment? Father, thank you so much for these beautiful missionaries, that they are the ones that carry the gospel to places that we may never be able to go. But just because we can't physically go doesn't mean we aren't able to go. We are able to send. So Father, we pray that as they are sent out, commissioned by you to do the great work that you've called them to do, God, we pray that you would provide for their every need. Father, may they not worry and stress about where things are gonna come in or how they're gonna come in or if they're gonna come in. May you provide in miraculous ways and may we just be another step towards that completed goal. Father, thank you so much for for all that they're doing. Thank you for their example of what it means, means to leave that place of comfort, to follow in obedience that desert road. Thank you for that example. We pray that you'd bless them. And may we as MWC Church, as a one part of your body, be diligent in our task of sending out those who are called. We love you. We love them. Bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Ushers, if you want to come forward, we're going to go ahead and take a special one-time offering for them this morning. Let me just pray over this offering. God, thank you so much. Lord, there are so many things that we could uh, steward our money with, so many things that we could spend our money on. But you call this to be mission-focused. Everything that we have is yours. And it's a privilege to give to you and to the mission you've called us to. We pray that this offering would bless the Frasers and that, Lord, they would meet their goal by the end of the year. We are believing in faith, trusting that you will do the impossible, that you are a way maker that they can focus completely on the mission and not have to worry about how to get it done. We ask this in faith, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Feel free to pass that around, ushers. And I'm serious when I say, if God is speaking to your heart, the greatest thing you can do is to not keep that to yourself, but to share it. If you want to email me, shoot me an email. But if you want to talk to Rob and ask him some specific questions of maybe how how did that start? How did you know? He'd be happy to talk to you. Him and Kim both would would be happy to talk to you. Um, They they actually shared a story yesterday about Rob was feeling something. Kim came out and just asked the question. It was almost confirmation. And uh, God is is good that way. So, man, share share your story. Talk to them. Uh, God is going to do a great thing through them and in them and through MWC. Amen. He still makes a way where there is no way. Now let's be obedient to our desert road. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you for MWC. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this house. Thank you for every individual who is in this place or listening on our podcast. God, thank you that you have called us to do impossible things, not in our strength, but in yours. And Father, I pray that as we begin to journey with you, Lord, that we would walk in obedience, that we would not be opportunistic, trying to say force ways or make things happen on our own, but may we just walk in obedience to trust you, to at your word, to follow your voice, and that as we are walking in obedience, the opportunity is revealed. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Bless us all. Speak to us today, this week. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And that wraps up today's message. But we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at MWCWichita.com. That's MWCWichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.